Ghetto. You are now beyond the ghetto. Broadcasting from the rainy city of the Lower Mainland, here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, you are now Beyond, beyond the Ghetto. Here on RadioGay.ca and podcast on iTunes. There's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. Oh, Canada, we are a privileged land. We didn't have to go through the Stonewallian riots to get our rights. We had a heterosexual prime minister give us those rights when he said, there's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. We now have gay marriage and lesbian marriage. We have anti-discrimination rights. We have anti-hate legislation. In most provinces, we have the right to adopt we are a very progressive land for gay and lesbian rights and now we're working on transgendered rights but we're not home yet oh canada our privileged land we do have a little bit of struggle to go in the area of our wonderful social system being a little bit too controlling over what we choose to read what we choose to watch what we call erotica and what they call pornography. Over the years, Canada Customs has specifically looked at and confiscated books from two bookstores in Canada, Glad Day Books in Toronto and Little Sisters Bookstore and Art Emporium in Vancouver. They have stopped publications from coming across the border from the United States going to those two gay bookstores very often certain shipments are stopped by our Canadian customs censor people at the border where they are opened where they are inspected where they're often withheld and sometimes when they are sent along months late where a lot of the materials in the shipment are destroyed and unsaleable we will be listening to Janine Fuller of Little Sisters Bookstore talk about her struggle with the curtailment of our freedom. But in 1985, BC Civil Liberties and Little Sisters had their first court case over the Advocate magazine. Does anyone know what the Advocate magazine is? Show of hands. I call it the Gay and Lesbian People magazine. It always has a straight person on the cover who, you know, had a gay fantasy once. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain is on the cover of this issue. <laughs> uh, I'll risk it. Yeah. But, you know, in 1985, that was an amazingly important magazine for the bookstore and BC Civil Liberties to get in. And the bookstore was having an incredible amount of seizures. And they were having a really hard time opening those doors and actually selling anything. 
because in 1985 there weren't that many gay and lesbian publications out there. It was paramount that the Advocate magazine come into Canada. And in 1985, 1986, a year and a half after that magazine was seized, BC Civil Liberties and Little Sisters went to court over it, but Canada Customs had reconsidered their decision to seize it. They thought about it and they decided that, in fact, it should be released. It's not obscene. Canada Customs wasn't able to return those magazines because they had incinerated every single copy of those magazines. That is what Canada Customs does. That is what Canada Customs continues to do. Many, many, many people don't go forward with their cases against Canada Customs. What does it feel like to be in a rural community, get a magazine that's totally empowering to who you are and what you are, and you get a notice in the mail from Canada Customs saying that what you have is obscene and is not supposed to be available in Canada at all? And if you're a small bookstore or an independent person who's trying to bring these books in, it would completely and utterly bankrupt you to defend those individual cases. For the longest time, Canada Customs just sends a note and says that something's been seized. It's very insidious. You don't come and find this book at Little Sisters. It's not there. You don't know that an author is missing because they are invisible. They are not there. And people are so afraid to actually fight the case, there's this kind of a trickle-down effect around censorship. And one of the trickle-down effects of censorship in the bookselling industry is really you've given most of the history of the bookstore. But part of the reality of it over the years was that people would come up to me at book fairs and say, you know what, I'm really sympathetic to your court case. And I really believe in free speech. It's so important. But I've kind of stopped ordering Armistead Mopin's Tale of the City. I, I, I just don't want to get attention drawn to me. I, I live in a small community. I try and bring these books in. I'm in, I'm in Terrace, and usually I, I have a few gay titles, but I just don't want to risk having my books seized by Canada Customs and getting on that list. So all these people started and stopped buying these books. And when I had this woman come up to me at the bookstore and say, she worked in a library at Trail, and the first book that she ever saw was a Jane Rule book, The Young in One Another's Arms, and she saw it and she finally felt like she knew who she was. It was certainly one of the moments of the juxtaposition of what meeting all these people have, what all of these opportunities have brought us or brought me, certainly as someone working at the bookstore, of what it meant for her to have access to that book.
early days when the bookstore was going to court over books being seized, many, many, many of the books that were seized were books that were on HIV and AIDS. And they were books that were sexual books on health issues around being queer and HIV and AIDS prevention. They were literally the books that were saving lives, and they were literally the books that were being held and banned by Kennedy Customs. Eventually, Kennedy Customs allowed them in under a medical sensibility. But until 1994, just weeks before our first court case against Canada Customs, anal penetration was still prohibited in Canada. There was no goodwill by the government of Canada to remove that. They'd been told by their legal experts years before they were advised to remove that as a guideline by Canada Customs. They continued to have it. So you understand the limitations and the things that the bookstore was fighting against. And also just around, I think, what Daniel said about self-censorship. I think there certainly is an element of the queer community, of the writing community that goes, well, I'd really like to write about that, but ooh, I don't want to get banned. And you know, what is the, the end result of what that is about? And the importance of people's expression and people being brave enough to express ideas and thoughts and imagery and eroticism that may be outside the boundaries of what you or I think, but it's what they think and they deserve to have those ideas and those thoughts. And I think we need to make sure that we protect them and that we're really committed to what that is. Books. 
And historically, there's been a phenomenal history of that in this country. One of the first books ever protested and actually going to court was Peyton Place. Does anyone know Peyton Place? That was one of the first books seized in this country, and that book was seized. And the person who was head of the Justice Department was asked, was interviewed, well, why did you seize that book? What's going on there? And he said, well, I wouldn't want my daughter reading that book. It's absolute trash. It's filth. And then later it was, it came out that the guy had no daughter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think often around Canada customs agents, people like to make jokes about them that they're not that smart. You know, again, it, that's not my issue. It's the Canadian government that has continued to empower people around censorship. And I think many, many times in many, many issues, uh, the customs agent has always been the, the person who gets to be the scapegoat. But it, you know, they're the person that's been empowered in this position. And it's easy for people to hate customs agents because we all hate crossing the border. So our most recent case is going to court in uh, 2006. We are now going to court and we've asked for advanced costs. Now, this is an amazingly important issue. There's very, very few cases in the history of Canada that allow advanced costs in court case, which means you get money before you go to court because the case is so important. And because frankly, the bookstore just doesn't have the hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars to litigate this court case. You know, the past court cases have cost millions of dollars. And we've been very lucky to be supported by many different groups, but we don't have millions of dollars, and nor does the bookstore, nor does any bookstore in this world. The history of going to court was the most unpleasant court experience I've ever had in my life. And that includes testifying, which wasn't pleasant at all, but I, the, their decision was really appalling and very personal and very personal against community, our community, free speech, the bookstore. And we are going to the Supreme Court on the 21st of April to fight for advanced court costs. And there's only two other court cases in the history of this country and both First Nations court cases that have been given advanced costs. The actual implication of us winning advanced costs for so many other communities Weighest us is phenomenal about having access to actually going to court without going bankrupt. We couldn't do it without you. We have never been doing it without you. you have, free speech doesn't happen alone, doesn't happen without other people, and it doesn't happen without us passing those issues, talking about the importance, and having the dialogue. So, thank you. The other issue is whether we have self-censorship within our own community. Is the sensitivity about racial relations something that we should be so careful of that works of art should not be reviewed in areas that are designed to empower um, other groups of people? Specifically, Daniel Gothrop will be talking in this next segment about what he thinks is self-censorship by uh, a group, an organization, uh, an excellent one by the way, Friday.com, uh, a website resource that provides great information about gay and lesbian Asians and 
uh, news from all across Asia and events from all across Asia. Their mission is to empower gay Asia. Daniel Gothrop did not get his book, The Rice Queen Diaries, reviewed on that site for a number of reasons which he will talk about. He raises the issue about whether this type of what he calls self-censorship is appropriate. When we talk about censorship uh, affecting the gay community, usually, usually we talk about the censorship that's coming from the outside, how, how our expression is being inhibited uh, or just you know, stomped out or attempts to stomp it out. What we don't talk about as often is the tendency within our own community to self-censor. I guess I'm concerned for how the mainstream media um, has, has portrayed us. And um, I guess a couple of examples of that uh, from a while ago. I think back to the late 1980s, and I recall a, a writer uh, named uh, Victor Janoff, who's now known as Douglas Victor Janoff. Uh, when he was in Montreal, he wrote a piece about um, uh, bathhouse sex and uh, promiscuity in bathhouses uh, that uh, was based on you know, first-person visits going into the bathhouses. And um, he, he spoke afterwards of virtually being drummed out of the community for writing this piece and for writing it in the Montreal Gazette. And you know, there were real reasons for concern about why it was in the Gazette, you know, that it was in the Gazette rather than just within the community in a safe place to be talking about it. But the mere fact of acknowledging that people are still having the same sex and despite the epidemic, that itself, uh, he felt, was what just freaked people out that it was being talked about. He actually left town, moved west because of that. And uh, the nice irony now, all these years later, is that uh, I guess 15 years later, he's more of a hero in the gay community because he's just come out with a book called Pink Blood, Homophobic Violence in Canada. And it's a great book, but it's also, as he would say, it's an acceptable discourse in the gay community because it's a very, it's a discourse about what the outside world is doing to gays and lesbians. And that's something that's a lot easier to handle from our point of view. Example, 
you know, the childhood section, you know, how you develop, you know, your desires, um, uh, the, the expatriate experience. There was one section in the book that interested the writer, and it was called I Sex Tourist. And that section became what he decided the book was all about. And so he called it the Sex Tourist Memoir. Called me a voyeur, which didn't make much sense because I was an active participant in everything that happened. And uh, said basically that uh, uh, that there were no. Uh, I, I, I asked him a question in the interview. I said, "Well, what what relationship is truly 100% consensual?" And he answered that by saying, "Well, certainly none in this book." It struck me that this reaction, this absolute confidence that a white guy writing about this topic um, couldn't possibly say anything that might be useful or interesting or you know new information, and that without even reading the book this kind of campaign could be taken against it where people would recommend not to buy it. And I was dismayed to find out that one of the people that, that, that showed up uh, to Leaflet was from the uh, Asian Society for the Intervention of AIDS, one of whose founding members I know quite well, and whose members, frankly, I would hope, would really actually want to know about this book and would want to have it in their library even, no matter what the first person narrator was like. Uh, as Brett Joseph Grubasek put it in the sun, he said, the narrative of the Rice Queen Diaries is not heroic or even admirable. And I thought, that's good and that's fine. Because frankly, in telling a story like this, uh, a first person narrator who was heroic or admirable would not be very trustworthy. Even though it's like a national 
for that for that site. Um, and they're reviewing all kinds of other things, not just produced by agents, but about by and about. Um, they they took a pass on it. So uh, we're working on it. Uh, Brian Lamb, the gay Asian publisher of my book, <laughs> has written to them to say, well, actually, no, you've kind of got it wrong. <laughs> Please change your mind. So just a couple of thoughts on that. This is what Sylvia Tan, the editor of Friday.com, has to say about the issue revolving around the Rice Queen Diaries by Dan Gothrop. Just for interest of keeping up uh, lis uh, listener interest, I'm going to change the filter on this to sort of a mechanized female voice. This is no disrespect to Sylvia Tan's letter um, that is going to be quoted here. It's just to keep up your interest a little bit. So here it goes with apologies to Sylvia and probably all women across the world. Thank you for contacting us and allowing us an opportunity to respond. Although, I feel it is an important issue which I would like to comment on. A freelance writer whom I worked with previously wrote to me about whether we wanted him to review his friend-slash-colleague's book, The Rice Queen Diaries. I didn't know until receiving your first email that he was the promoter of the book, but anyway, I was skeptical because of its title. It's not very empowering to be compartmentalized solely because of one's race, wouldn't you agree? Anyway, I replied and asked if the book was something he would be recommend to Friday's readers given that our mission is to empower gay Asia. As I didn't have the time to read the book to decide whether or not to have it reviewed, I thought it was reasonable for my writer-reviewer to give me his honest opinion despite his friend being the author, although it's not something I'm entirely comfortable with. I was not satisfied with his brief reply that the book provided, quote, an intellectual look at the relations between gay white men and their Asian counterparts, unquote, and thus did not agree to the book being reviewed for Friday. I hope you understand the situation better. Again, thank you for mentioning that Friday.com is a positive source of news and information about Asia in your program. So there it is from Sylvia Tan. She didn't read the book. She left it to the person that she was working with to, uh, to give her an opinion, and she was not satisfied. And therefore, Daniel Gothrop's book, The Rice Queen Diaries, has not to date been reviewed on friday.com and this has been another episode of beyond the ghetto i would like to thank uh janine fuller daniel gothrop and sylvia tan for being participants uh and their ideas for being participants on this show i'd also like to thank the vancouver public library for having the censorship forum and allowing Beyond the Ghetto to come and tape it that evening in March. Thank you very much for your continued work in the fight against censorship. I'm going to leave you with a song called The Ring and the Razor by J. Marshall Freeman. And you can see his artwork at uh, jmarshallfreeman.com. There's two L's in Marshall. And I will leave uh, notes about that on my site, uh, beyondtheghetto.livejournal.com. That's beyondtheghetto.livejournal.com. And also talk about the other artist music, Podsafe music this time, that I used on this uh, radio show and podcast. I would like, like to wish all the best in the, in the struggle, struggle against Canada, Canada Customs, Customs and just, and just say, oh, Canada, our home and censorous land, land. 
let's, let's break, break down, down the last of these, these barriers, barriers together, together and truly become the gayest nation on this planet, beyond the ghetto. Oh, Canada. Have a good day. Exposing an unsuspecting world to the gay agenda. When I grow up, I want to understand this concept and become a better human being because of it. Who cares? Radiogay.ca Radiogay.ca Would you take me home? Would you keep me warm? Would you dress me up in your father's uniform? From the war with the monkeys The old man gave his youth So you could live your TV dreams Protected from the truth Too many turns on the If I sold my soul for you, me, I'm one of monkeys. I've seen it all before. Love gives you all it's got, and all you want is more. Cheers on the monkey.